Welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every single week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God, and this is the end of Screamoween. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And also with me right now is your other host, Reed Lackey. Hey! Look out. <laughs> we're, we're just we're just mixing up the formula, bro. It is Keeping you on your toes, dude. Like, is this the fear of God? Is I know this what not the fear of God. What's even happening? You know what, dude? Dude, what? happy Halloween! What? Happy Halloween! Oh, it's Halloween! It's Halloween! It's Halloween! My heart just went pitter pat. It is today. It is today. It is today. Today's the day. You haven't missed it. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit did Halloween in my night. heart. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> I found you, uh, but I'm here. Oh you man, happy missed it. That's fantastic. <laughs> happy Halloween, listeners. If you're listening to this day and date, which you may or may not, um, just because of Halloween plans. Happy Halloween to you. Uh, I, I, it it brings me a sense of joy to know that maybe we are coming to you actually as part of your Halloween festivities. If we are, we hope that you are uh, happy and safe and that you have a wonderful time planned for you on this random Tuesday. Um, but yeah, happy Halloween, Nathan. I'm so excited. That is exciting. Happy Halloween to you, Lackey. Um, I see you've dressed as Lackey the Listicle this year. Um, <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> happy halloween <laughs> um okay so reed i'm excited to jump into this episode of lists mm, speaking mm, of the listicle mm, um mm-hmm. but before we do that yes i believe we got we got a little business business to get through and i'm gonna i'm gonna let you tell us a little bit about what business you want to tell oh, us about yes reed. indeed tell so- us about your business okay so we teased this uh before and uh we have kind of possibly realigned our scheduling a little bit to allow you a little bit more time for that. But Eminent on the Horizon is our next Quarterly King. And this time around, uh, we are doing a book of Stephen King's that is quite large. Several of his are, are pretty large. This one is, I think, uh, seven, eight hundred pages. Um, and so it is Needful Things. It is billed uh, right there on the dust jacket as the last Castle Rock story. And uh, you'll have to read the book and tune in to our podcast episode about it to find out. So what we're going to be covering is the actual text of the book itself, uh, which you can imbibe in a number of different ways. You can read the text yourself by hardcover or paperback. There is an audiobook uh, version of it that Stephen King reads himself that I hear has uh, a ton of very strange musical affectations <laughs> interspersed throughout the uh, throughout the the, the I'm audiobook. sure for the date of release, they might not have been strange That's listening fair. to it, you know, 20 years hence, 20 years on, like there are moments where you're like, 
what are we doing? <laughs> bit, you know, bit more odd. it is very sporadic. Sure. And yeah. when it happens, you're like, okay, and this is where you want me to feel the drama, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Or yeah. the uh, the drama or the bow, 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 you know, <laughs> wow. the baseline coming in. <laughs> Probably those scenes with the woman with the Elvis painting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that stuff is so weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man, so weird. Okay, so um, anyway, you can read the book, uh, listen to the audio book, and we will also be covering the film. Now, something kind of kind of different for us, there is... This film has a theatrical release, which is the most widely available version of it. But there is also um, a three-hour miniseries, same production. There's just a theatrical two-hour version and a three-hour miniseries version. Um, both, to some degree, will be touched on. Uh, so imbibe at, uh, any or all of that as you wish. Uh, if you choose not to engage in any of it, still show up for The Quarterly King. But we're giving you fair heads up now. Needful Things is where we're going next, uh, in and all around that. Uh, it's coming up in a week or two, so be ready. A little bit. Yeah. It's just around the corner, <laughs> Mr. Gaunt. Um, yes. So thank you, Reed, for that uh, rundown of our next quarterly King. Um, I am excited to get to the end of needful things myself as I've not done that in a <laughs> minute. We're going to jump into a patron segment where we talk about some spooky season watches, but before and related to that, I wanted to share our second order of business today. Well, it's just me and you here, Reed. And that <laughs> is listener join Patreon. Join it. Do it. Come on, jump in the pool. We're all in the pool. Do it, do it, do it. (laughs) Well, what is becoming a patron to the fear of God? Get me, Nathan. Well, I'm glad you asked. Honestly, a lot. Uh, Off the bat, you get extended podcast episodes. Every podcast episode has got an extra segment. Uh, So if you like what we do and you're here, which tells me you sort of do, you get a little bit more of that. Um... So, so additionally, and maybe most especially, being a patron gets you into online events like the one we just celebrated, that of Foggoween 2023. I don't know about you, Reed, but I had a great time seeing everyone playing some horror trivia that Jackson didn't win this time <laughs> and seeing all of the fun costumes. It was a grand old time. Mm-hmm. Um, more than that. In these days of digital divides, being a part of a community, seeing people's faces, doing even the baseline steps of sharing life with good-hearted people is just a huge thing that I do not take for granted and would love for you to be a part of. Still left to come this year. If you happen to have missed Fogoween uh, and are pondering how to spend your few bucks we ask at the baseline level, still left to come this year is our covert Krampus gift exchange. Mm-hmm. The Fogs version of Secret Santa exclusive to our patrons. I am very pleased with the oh. covert Krampus titling read. That's uh, oh, you should be proud. It's clever it's delightful. And we'll have, I think, at least one more B side. Uh, don't mm-hmm. uh, you know? But that's the plan. That's um, the all in all, in all, there is a lot of value to becoming a patron. So, what you're waiting for? Join today, listener. And with that. Riri McLackey face, shall we go to the patron mobile? Indeed. So about (laughs) this 
conversation. Oh yes, episode. Oh, this yes. episode. So uh, Reed, yes. we just uh, we just spent some some patron time talking about some recent spooky watches. Uh, uh, join Patreon if you want to learn about what we shared there. And now, my friend, we are in our Screamoween epilogue mm-hmm. um you know mm-hmm. you may you texted me today about how much you enjoy the epilogues we've done which i think this is our third now after shamalama yeah. and halloween at halloween and my comment to you was i love how we just kind of stumbled into it because you know sure. effectively yeah. it wasn't like hey you know what will make for some great radio let's just debrief <laughs> seven episodes we just already recorded you know right but, right but there's something about the reflective nature that these have and you know you and i conversed off pod relatively recently about uh 2024 stuff and how you know we, we don't have any hard decision yet on what the franchise will be uh sure and, right uh, but the, the notion came up of doing another um, not just the franchise, but another sort of creator run, another filmmaker run and how right, right. the fun of this style of formatting is you get to kind of serve a couple of different masters. You get to mm. kind of have our typical format and fun style, but then marry it to what is going to pass for us as academic critique, right? It's like sure, being right. able to put on that critic's hat, being able to engage things because you really do. I mean, I found this explicitly with Halloween at Halloween. Shamalamarama was a little different because I'd already seen the bulk of those. Uh, but you start to get this just bigger picture of the context in which things were made, the context of, you know, how these things speak to each other across the, I sure. mean, frankly, decades for both of these franchises we've covered. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, so, absolutely. so I, I'm excited for our conversation here today. I hope the listeners are. And I'm, I feel pretty confident that you are. Me too. Oh, man. Very much so. I'm very excited to get into this. I'm curious to hear how some things are going to land for you. Uh, I'm excited to share some of my thoughts on certain things with you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I, again, I love these because it does fit for me, um, kind of pushes that button of just organization and fun rankings and oh, you know, know. parsing out this little insulated elements of these things that have spent so much time in my in my imagination. So, yeah, yeah, I love it very, very much. Um, so let me kick the door down if it's okay with you. Um, one of my favorite things to think about when we do these little epilogues is how did films you were already familiar with change through the run of this? And it's interesting because watching a film in isolation is a different process than watching it when it's with a group of its own little pocket, you know, in whatever context, whether you're watching it based on genre, based on filmmaker, based on franchise, as we're doing here. So was there anything particularly that rose in your affection during these are only six films, but did anything really sort of rise up and be like, you know what, I like that better than I thought I did? Uh, Did anything fall for you where it was like, you know what, I I think I'm a little, little less enamored with this than I was before. I'm very curious. Uh, No, it's a good question. Um, It is so strange to me because we were still months out from cementing scream as our franchise run that I've now watched this whole franchise twice this year. Like that just, 
I just, <laughs> I, I just ranted during our patron segment about how I have no time and, and find myself doing one of the most odd, you know, uh, um, <laughs> practices for me personally, uh, though something I, uh, you know, like to do. I just, I just never actually take the time to do. And so it's been fascinating this year. So my first run through, it really wasn't with a critical eye. It was just kind of, let me refresh myself. I haven't watched yeah, some of yeah. these in forever, at least not in concert with each other and prepping for, for episode six <laughs> for scream six. And so this go around, I almost had a little more solid footing, um, and could put on that a little more critical hat. I'll start with the less than, and then finish with the, the, you know, ascending, uh, answer. Okay. If I am being just gut level honest, I think as, and, and the first scream film from 96 had a, I, I joked during scream a I comped it to the Jesus freak jars of clay of, my horror intake that is actually a very accurate comparison point in terms of how my comprehension of the genre at large hinges on one era and one moment Mm. uh scream 96 being that era and moment so in, in many ways the film itself kind of had this incalculable impact on me at the same time if i'm being perfectly transparent um i don't know that my uh my affection is not as strong as my nostalgia. Okay. Is, sure. is a fair yeah. way to put it. Um, sure. and I think, I think this is a fascinating franchise that has a very patchwork sort of, uh, output in terms of, uh, quality quotient that, you know, I find, I find scream one strong. I find it, uh, you know, if effectively essential, um, mm-hmm. but I don't find the sum of its parts as meaningful to me as I think I, would have mm. anticipated a year sure. ago, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I guess in the answer of what has fallen in favor, you know, that feels a strong way to put it, but, but that might be my answer to that question. Um, as far as what's risen, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, the dumb one and end on the, the, the not dumb one, but like, you know, no one is going to cite scream three as the benchmark <laughs> of, you know, horror or comedy or, or horror comedy <laughs> or, or early aughts, uh, sort of entries in, in cinema. And yet, um, yes, largely due to my just general affection for the, the comedic performance of Parker Posey, but, but sure. in, in a way that be, because it is so heralded as the absolute redheaded stepchild of this franchise, uh, and not <laughs> having seen it since its release. I was able to be like, I don't know. I found it kind of charming. So, <laughs> so, you know, I, I guess if you could say the dial went from zero to above zero, um, scream three would mm. sort of fit that, that category. Um, I came in, uh, affectionate towards five and six. So, so those, um, I'll sort of leave on the side there, but, but four, um, I think, I think in ways that I didn't comprehend when we first covered it on the show, because it was totally in a vacuum for me. Yeah, Um, sure. It had been years since I'd watched the original stuff. And so it wasn't even, you know, super top of mind for, for the legacy characters. Um, I wasn't, you know, able to contextualize it for, for even what it was when we first covered it. And so I don't think I appreciate it as much as it has to offer uh, then as I do now. I mean, I I don't, I don't, uh, we'll, we'll get to where these plays for us. Um, it's not number one for me, but it's not, 
you know, it, it's, it's very solid and, and definitely rose in my estimation going in from, from going into it. So yeah, sure. That's, that's kind of me on the rise and fall. What, what about you? I'm yeah, actually well, quite curious about this. Let me, first of all, join you kind yeah. of going in reverse order. Let me join you in the affection for scream Four. uh, I've seen scream Four a couple of times, something about watching this run with an eye towards conversations like we have on the show, processing each film kind of after we watch it with these conversations with various guests. Uh, when I came to Scream 4, I was like, yeah, I like this. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. And then just a whole bunch of tumblers started clicking. A whole bunch of things started falling into place. And I was like, wow, this is a really smart, sharp film uh, that is thematically cohesive in a way not all of the entries are and uh my esteem for it rose tremendously um and yeah we will get to our eventual rankings but that it surprised me how much my esteem for scream 4 rose um particularly contrasting that a little bit i had always been a huge fan of occasionally defender of very much you know uh lover of scream 2 and in a very mild way, because I still am very affectionate for it, but in a very mild way, this viewing kind of was like, okay, I, I see a little bit of some of the seams here and and some of the production, you know, uh, the, the, the troubled nature of some of the production and them dealing with a script leak, one of the first script leaks in Hollywood history uh, to the internet. Uh, I could see where that had kind of ruptured some cracks in the cohesion. Um, I still am very fond of that film, but it went down kind of mildly for me. <laughs> but it also, in contrast, uh, I already didn't really like Scream Three. I had a very <laughs> different experience from what sure. you from what you describe, and I, I I was very much like to the point that even on our episode, I was like, I don't think I recommend this anymore. Which kind of you know might have been a bit harsh because I still feel like yeah, it's a Scream film, and I enjoy seeing these characters or whatever, but. It landed in a place for me where I was like, I don't know if I'll revisit Scream 3, except in the context that I have to like prep to talk about Scream 3, sure. <laughs> as opposed yeah. to just popping it in, uh, which I could easily see myself doing for really any other of the entries in the franchise. Um, so, so well, yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting about that is, because I don't even disagree with you. Like, I think Scream 3 has this weird sort of energy about it where if it were on in this old media model that we don't even really live in anymore. Hey, if I'm just flipping <laughs> channels or right. know, it's like, um, <laughs> the way we just responded to that bit made it feel very Statler and Waldorfy. Like <laughs> just, just move on. It sucks. It's over. It's dumb. Move along. <laughs> you know? so but, <laughs> but scream three, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of, uh, uh, get on your wavelength as far as it, as a scream movie, I wouldn't sit down and watch it or join someone in the watching of it because it's a screen movie. I'd watch it because mm. there's some dumb bits in it that I find amusing. If that makes sure. sense. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah it does. Yeah. Not does. because I'm like, Oh, this is watch when Ghostface does uh, blows up the house. That really makes sense. Doesn't it? <laughs> you <know? laughs> sure. Well, you said, yeah, you said it on our episode and I thought, I thought this was uh, astute. You said you recommend it as a comedy. And I think that's that if I were to watch it again, and watch it as like, let me watch this as something that's satirizing itself as opposed yeah. to trying to maybe be unintentionally, but yes, <laughs> exactly. But you know, but if, if that's the case, then maybe I might find, you know, or at least move a little closer towards the affection you've been able to find for it. So, but yeah, that's uh that's my insights to those questions. I dig it. It's funny. You mentioned scream too, and your, your slights drop off there because 
friend to friend, I've not understood your your love of Scream Two. How you've that's really funny, it. Yeah. and and yeah. which which I've I've kept relatively mum about it because I don't want you to feel bad about it or, or whatever. Sure, no, subconscious, yeah, I it's just it. I think Scream Two is 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 fine. Uh, to me, it, sure. it kind of struggles under its weight by the end, um, but and 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 sort of buckles under its weight rather. Um, well, no, that's that is fun. Let me look at our notes <laughs> because read next. Oh boy, the list of things to talk about here. So we're going to get to a number of things. We've been compiling as we went the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. We are going to cement oh for the record in this episode the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. This is your teaser for that. We are not there yet. Um, but speaking of teasers, <laughs> you know, endemic and central, uh, uh, a a a core four, if you will, of <laughs> what makes a scream a scream is the teasers you know the yes. op- the opening bit the the opening 10 15 minutes whatever it is it it, it started with a bang with drew barrymore's uh, um you know kind of shock uh, scene you know everybody they're they're, yep. they're yep. building the entire marketing on drew barrymore only to discover oh by the way just oh, kidding boy. Uh, and so, you know, each of these films has a particular flavor of that idea and something yep. that we thought would be fun is to rank the teasers. And, you know, each <laughs> of us have compiled our list. Uh, I will, I, you can push against this if you want. I went worst okay. to first. So starting yeah, from I the bottom. Yep. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 um, so I'll, I'll kick us off with okay. worst to first for me. Okay, I'm ready. In the ready. Uh, uh, Scream teaser catalog here, bottom I'm gonna of the give barrel us a for point. me. I'm going to give us a, yeah. just real quick, I'm going to give us a mental point, silly, stupid game. I'm going to give us a mental point for how many rankings we have the same. I'm okay. so curious okay. to hear this. So, um, yes. Okay. For me, I'm going to go with Scream 3 as, 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 as the worst. Yes, yes. As we bottom. just scored a point. Cotton Weary yes, is I, my is It's kind of hard not to, sadly, on this one. <laughs> Poor Leaf Schreiber. <laughs> he really got it's the so short true. end of the knife here. Oh, um, he did. You know, no he more did. 100% cotton. Yes, it is the death of a sort of important character, but not one we'd really gotten emotionally invested in. It, invested sure. in, yes, nor is it. Yeah. Nor, I mean, I don't even need emotional investment. Few of these teasers have characters who are emotionally invested in, but it's not even like a, a cool kill. It's not even like. No. Good. It's, very pedestrian. it's not like a good set yeah. piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you trick the girlfriend, take out cotton, meh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's basically it. And it's it the fact that it is one of my favorite parts of Scream Three is so telling that it is still the bottom of this teaser list for both of us. So yes, it, it almost in delivery feels like they shot a few and we're just like I don't know. What about the one relieved eyes? Do we have to, are we going to, he's already, he's already, he's already recasting. He's already casting something else. His schedule is booked up. We can't, you know, sure. Let's kill cotton weary, but are we, are we really going to, yeah. are we really going to use this version? Like it's what we got. We can't get leave back on set. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You know, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's like, that's what that scene All right. feels like. That's a wrap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All, All right. right. So we, we, we matched, uh, uh, we bingo okay. there. What about you here's, next? Here's, here's where it starts to get nervous. And I think you might have some umbrage with, with my number five here. So I put at my number five and it should be noted all of the next five, I, I love this is really hard. It's like picking your sure. children. Um, yeah, it's fair. But but my next my number five is the Terra teaser. The uh one from Scream twenty twenty two. Uh so when we I don't can, match can unpa- how are we yes. nebulizing this? Uh do we do I share where Terra is for me or do I do I wait until No, we get you to can it? hold it. 
You okay, can hold okay. it, and I'll just I'll just say a word on it, and then you can defend it when it's higher in your ranking where it's there. But uh, the reason that I put it there, which again, these top five are kind of like picking your children, but the reason that I put it there is the most surprising, this is probably going to sound silly when I say it, the most surprising and inventive thing about it is what happens after it, and that's the fact that she doesn't die. Um, and so as a result, the teaser itself, the interior moment, didn't do a lot different for me than other teasers have done. The inventive thing about it isn't related to the teaser, so that's why I put it there. So that's why I landed it at five. What did you oh, land? At okay. Five? Well, we've already lost two points here because, but naturally, the fact that we didn't meet here means we're not going to meet exactly. on the Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I, even though I'm on board with a lot of your argument there, we'll get to that in a second. Maybe surprising you, I put Scream 4 here. Now, interesting. Hear me out. Okay. Um, sure. All right. I think it's clever. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. smart. Mm-hmm. But for me, and what I've come to like and have tempered feelings about versus what I have tempered feelings about, I worry it caters to the worst tendencies of kind of cartoonifying the world yes. of screen. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, and so because of that, it creates this kind of distancing effect because sure. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm less invested in the action of it and more amused by the cleverness of it. And so sure. for what I have found to like about the whole franchise, that's why, to your point, once you get Scream Three off the board for this for this run, they're all great. It's yes, just agreed. now yes. trying to okay if we're going to commit ourselves to a list here by this degrees. Is where it is for yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, by degrees. Well, in yep. which case, well, is okay. Clearly, Scream Four is not your number five because you just said uh, uh, right. twenty twenty two, which which leads me to my number four on the list, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is Scream twenty twenty two. Interesting. I think it's, I think it's okay. great. Uh, I think it's brutal. I think it's scary. But if if objectivity is the goal here, it is pretty much a direct update of 96. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. from that, from that kind of standpoint, uh, it, 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 you know, is right here in the middle. Well, it's so, interesting. Yeah. Um, because my number four is scream four, the multi fake out. Uh, so, so maybe we own point. Yeah. 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 We're going to take that half point. I'm take that half point. So, um, and and I agree with everything you said about that. I, I, I loved the cleverness of it in the moment. What is really interesting that I'll make kind of possibly kind of a bold statement. The Scream 3 Cotton Weezer Cotton <laughs> Cotton Weezer. Cotton Weezer. He looks just like where, Buddy Holly. What's that one where Cotton Weezer dies? Hey, she'll play me another one. Um, the Scream 3 with Cotton Weary, the Cotton Weary death is my favorite part about Scream 3, somewhat ironically. My least favorite part about Scream 4, which I love, is the opening Hmm. five to seven minutes. You know, once we get into the meat of Scream 4, I pretty much love everything that that film delivers to us. But uh, this multi-fake out, I really, you know, on the episode... Did you know? Really, did not express this very poorly. So I'll I'll give this a second pitch for those who either didn't listen or whatever. I felt at the time, right or otherwise, I felt a kind of a misogyny creeping up by the fact that it was just a parade of young girls just getting killed, killed, killed in the span of like five to seven minutes. I wanted to vary that up in some way, and who knows what creative or inventive way could have varied that up. But that was kind of what I was registering in the opening few minutes of Scream 4, is I was like, wow, you're just going to parade. You've got a lot of time six- to think about that, haven't you? <laughs> uh, I have, yes. Um, but I have, you know, th- there's there's six, you know, we're just going to line up right. six 
young blondes and just one after another just gonna slice and dice them and in the viewing that was like what that just didn't it didn't sure. sit right with me um you know and in a, you can go listen to the episode to hear a very clunky suggestion i made for how to vary that up but fundamentally that that tempers it down a little bit for me still the surprise of when um gosh and now i'm blanking on her name Kristen bell is who i was blanking on yeah Yeah, when Kristen bell just you know stabs anna pack that jolt was very like oh okay um and that's kind of why for me that invention is why it rises above scream 2022 for me and probably the only reason uh but uh but yeah that's why it sits where it sits so i put it as my number Four. So we'll give ourselves half a point here. Now, all right. Now all right. we're in the top three. So okay, here we're we go. Snaking this around. So what is your three? Is this me? I I worry. I worry we're going to be different here. My number three is Maureen and Phil in the movie theater in Scream huh. Two. Okay, that's that's my number three. Um, we will probably I, settle with one and a half points by the end okay. of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, so that's my that's my number three. Um, my thoughts on that are it's it's harrowing. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty galvanizing, especially just to throw the gauntlet down. Something that Matt said on our episode has not left me. Um, he said, you know, they're subverting the trope and calling out the trope, but then they're playing right into the trope. Like you call out the, the, the lack of presence of black people in this film. And then you put two very famous faces in here and then just take them out. Uh, that has stayed with me, uh, since Matt observed that. So I still think it's an exceptionally constructed teaser. I think, I I think that's great. Um, it is incredibly scary, suspenseful. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, again, not very many dings against it, uh, other than just to, you know, the, the, it kind of keeps it down from, the obvious next two that I have up here, which uh, mean a lot more to me, but yes. So that's where I landed on number three. What did you cite for your number three? Effectively, those next three are just all third, second and first among equals, you know, like it it really is. Yeah. But by Harris degrees in service of making a list, the Mm -hmm. one will, the one that will disappoint you. you Oh, I know where you're going now uh, is this, this arguably could be higher, but, but when I belabored this list this afternoon, this is where I landed is scream six. Um, hmm. it's fantastic. It just sure. is. Uh, yeah. it's yeah. Samara weaving. It is inventive. It's stylish. Uh, I think this is an appropriate word when used appropriately. It's sexy. It's brutal. It's horrifying. Mm-hmm. It's surprising. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Arguably it could be placed higher, but for me right now, it's my number three. I'll snake right into my number two and then pop back over to you for your two and one. And we'll go sure. from there. You got number it. Yeah. two for me. Also probably surprising you is scream one 96. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's the kill that launched a franchise um, to those familiar with the genre. It was something new or at the least something unexpected to those unfamiliar with the genre. It was both something new and something radically unexpected. Yeah. To everyone, yeah. it dared us all to reconsider the question of do you like scary movies? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it but it is still my number two uh, sure. on this list. Yeah. Uh so, by so extension. What is, yeah. Yeah. And by extension, easily I know where your number one is. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So my number two, and now you'll know my number one as well. Uh so my number two is Scream Six, Samara Weaving. And then her killer unveiling and then getting taken out. And, um, yeah, the invention, the, everything you cited, the invention, the cleverness, 
kept me on my toes uh, more than 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 any film uh, in this franchise had prior to the original. Uh, so yeah, I just just got me really excited. I was sitting in the movie theater next to my wife. And when that opening happened, I was just, I was so excited that we were about to watch a Scream movie. And it was just, yeah, it was great. Um, and, and so really brought me in. And, and that's what these teasers, these prologues are supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to make you ready. They're supposed to, hey, lights are going down. We're here to watch a, we're here to watch a Scream movie. And so, yeah, that's why I put it at, at number two. Um, so, yeah, we both know each other's number ones. I'll go ahead and start with mine. You cited your number two. Mine is the OG. Uh, I had said on our Redux episode with Matt and Brandon, I said I can still, and and you know, I'll call this out as just a, a niche to my own imagination. I can still remember sitting in my bedroom as a teenager, and when those opening like 10, 15 minutes happened, I was just stunned, jaw dropped. What am I watching? This is incredible. That feeling has never left me. That feeling is still very, very strong. Um, and even in subsequent viewings, where so many aspects of the film may modulate in my affection or otherwise, um, that that opening fifteen minutes, I am still like, "Holy cow!" It's just, it's so tightly constructed. For me, it is just a perfect short film. It could end there. You know, you got a whole movie to proceed, but it could end right there, and you've got a really power-packed short film. Uh, just really incredible. So yeah, so that's that's why my number one is Casey Becker, aka Drew Barrymore, uh, kicking things off. Yeah, which leaves for me at my number one is going to be Scream Two. Uh, even with respect mm-hmm. to the the critical note you you assigned to it a moment ago, um, for me and what I have come to find interesting about the Scream franchise. This particular teaser, accidentally or not, taps into what I think, at its best, the franchise has on its mind. And it is these twin Mm. ideas of our insensitivity when appropriating others' tragedy. And the idea that when everyone can be Ghostface, how do you trust anyone? Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. On top Mm -hmm. of that, it's also just a pretty terrifying 10 minutes of of horror movie. And, you know... Yeah, I, I think I think it's the strongest. Um, uh, clearly, by by virtue of where these two fall, I think Casey Becker is the strongest horror slasher version of these teasers. Scream Two for me is the strongest thematic version of these mm. teasers. It just kind mm-hmm. of, again, possibly accidentally, uh, kind of ends up finding something pretty interesting to me. Yeah, about these. Yeah, um, that was fun. I liked it. Yeah, we got one and a half points, but that was fun. <laughs> but see, that's, I mean, but here's the thing. You and I both cited that uh, above Scream 3, these were by very, very small incremental degrees, which I think speaks to the collective whole of the power of these teasers. That's why I wanted to rank them. I was like, let's let's shine a spotlight on how clever and wonderful an aspect of these films these uh, little prologues are. So, yeah. Indeed. Well, you know, Friends and Foggers, uh, Screamoween has featured a parade of friends and guests dissecting this franchise. And, and, and though I thought we were going to be absent a guest this episode, it, it turns out I was wrong because here to help us make heads or tails rhyme or reason of the many tortured souls and torturing villains and the pantheon of killers in the scream franchise is the one the only lackey the listicle my occasionally listless list making lackey hi everybody (laughs) hi everybody (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry my surprise and guffaw threatened to ruin your bit of excellent uh, verbal comedy there, Lacky the Listicle, okay. but that's uh, fantastic. So, Lacky the Listicle, oh, awesome. uh, uh, Reed and I just made a list uh, and compared notes on the hmm. uh, ranking the teasers of the Scream franchise. Now, you are oh. here with a very particular assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, you know, piggybacking on some old, uh, uh, website material of ours, but maybe refashioned oh, yes. for a new Scream era. Why, why don't you share a little bit of what you got for the listeners? <laughs> uh, indeed. So, uh, yeah, Lackey the Listicle Persona here. I, uh, after we did Scream 4, before Scream 5 and 6 had even been made, um, I wrote for the website a list ranking the Scream killers, the individual killers of Scream. And I uh, basically, you know, like left it alone ever since then, haven't revisited it since five and six came out. So I thought now would be the most perfect and appropriate time to reconfigure the list. Uh, Worth noting, I did not, on purpose, I did not go back and see how I ranked them previously. I wanted these freshly based on this rewatch. Um, I'm, I'm ranking these killers based on, it's every killer from the Scream franchise, uh, I did exclude the stab movies, so sure. not the not the stab films, but um, every killer from the Scream franchise ranked by you know kind of their personality, like what style and flavor they bring to things, what a little bit of uh, motive thrown in there, uh, and effectiveness as well, just kind of a homogenization of all of those different things. And uh, so we have thirteen here that I am going to run down this list. Uh, you ready? Mm-hmm. You ready for these killers? All right. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number 13, we have Charlie Walker, played by Rory Culkin from Scream 4. Um, He's the bottom of the barrel for me. He's an almost nothing character. He is dispatched almost as quickly as he is revealed to be the killer. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) pretty much right. It's like, oh, yeah, he killed everybody, and now he's dead. Uh, I think he, (laughs) he, he does have this memorable impact of, like, turning on Kirby. That's a very... Uh, emotional yeah. and galvanizing moment. Not going to take anything away from that moment, but sorry, Charlie, you're, uh, mm. you're, bo- <laughs> you're bottom, of, bottom of this list. Uh, sorry, Rory. Um, so that's it. Uh, I don't know if you want to pause on each of these or if you want to just rattle through and then you interject as you want to. Uh, how do you want to do this? I think you've known me long enough to know that I will interject if I want to. That's a yeah. fair point. That's a fair point. Okay. Number 12. I am cur- I actually am curious now that you've given me the moment here. You're at 13. I'm currently staring at 12. There's something I'm forgetting. So cause you are, definitely, um, you okay. are forgetting something. So number 12, <laughs> um, <laughs> number 12 is, uh, might've surprised you because you might've expected them to come up bottom of the barrel, but, uh, Roman Bridger, uh, from scream three played by Scott Foley. Uh, listen, no offense to Foley as an actor. Uh, but the contrivance positioning him as the killer here is just ludicrous. Uh, the only reason he's not at the very, very bottom is that all the scenery chewing he does. And I kind of like that silly moment where Dewey's trying to shoot him and he just keeps coming with his knife raised. That's kind of goofy and, and kind of silly. And, and, uh, you know, the man worked hard to get in that casket and I had to give him (laughs) (laughs) something for working hard to get in that casket. He convinced, uh, you know, a Pulitzer prize aspirational reporter that he was dead when he clearly was not. So, uh, you know, give him, give him that, but he's still number 12. Roman Bridgers uh, all the way near the bottom here. So uh, that's number 12. Number 11, uh, maybe disappointing some people, but I don't, maybe not by much. Uh, number 11, I put Quinn Bailey here, played by Liana Liberato from Scream 6. Sure. 
uh, a funny and kind of fun character pre-killer reveal. I'm not going to take anything away from some of those genuinely endearing moments. Um, but she drops a lot of points because once she's revealed, she almost does nothing substantive. It's the reveal, it's the shock that it's her, and then she's dispatched very easily. She's basically like shot, and that's it. Uh, and then she, she's no, she gives a brick to the mouth, and them teeth. Oh, that's go true. She gets, yeah, that, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but uh, but yeah, still otherwise, you know, pretty easily dispatched. Sure. And and pretty forgettable. And that is and that is the only reason why she lands at number eleven, and number ten is Ethan Landry, played by Jack Champion, also from Scream Six. Um, he's pretty generic before he's revealed, and a pretty obvious suspect, as foreign correspondent Vera Gowdy attested. Um, relatively inconsequential afterward, but ranks above Quinn for one specific reason, and that is that his death scene is very memorable. <laughs> his uh, his particular death scene is 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 quite memorable, uh, and that's probably the only reason he edges above his sister there. But eleven and ten for me are. Hmm. Quinn Bailey and Ethan <laughs> Ethan Landry. Okay, so yep. Uh oh, you just what? you just turned the tables on me. <laughs> uh oh oh, what did I do? What no, I'm just trying to figure out who your thirteenth was, and I think I know who I'm missing. Well, let me let me Here, get no, you I'm, out of I'm, suspense. I'm, yeah, okay. let me get you out of suspense because my number nine, the person I suspect you have forgotten about, is one Mr. Jason Carvey. Uh, oh, played yeah, definitely not what I was thinking. Who is that? Played by Tony Revolori in Scream Six. Listen. He is a ghost face killer. Oh, the fact, okay. Okay. There you go. The fact there you go. that he gets dispatched Thompson, so quickly yes. does not change the fact that he took out his associate professor. He delivered one of the most unfortunate in taking out Samara Weaving from this franchise. Uh, he delivered one of the most unfortunate, but still one of the most galvanizing kills. Uh, took out his associate professor, gave us a little insight, a little window into the mind of a scream killer. Um, and then uh, was summarily dispatched by uh, another ghost face killer. But as I was making this list, I was like, no, listen, it, it's not yeah, a stab killer. It's a yeah. real legit scream killer. So, uh, so yeah, Jason Carvey lands at number nine for me in this, uh, in this big ranking. But my number eight is Richie Kirsch, played by Jack Quaid, son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, from Scream 2022. Um, listen, why I put him at number eight, he's largely a Billy Loomis wannabe. Uh, he's got a few nice touches of the boy next door. He's, he's, it's a good performance. I actually think it's a very good performance. Um, rounds him out a little bit, but he is painfully ineffective as a killer. Uh, Scream 2022 has one of the lowest body counts of the franchise. And I don't think Richie did like any of them. (laughs) So, (laughs) So he's painfully ineffective as a killer. Uh, despite being somewhat of a brainchild about any of these. So, uh, so yeah, that's why Richie Kirsch lands at number eight for me. Um, ready for me to move on to number seven? I am. All right. Here's number seven. He is an absolute bananas performance. Uh, all totally off the rails, playing to the cheap seats, but goes out like a chump. It's Mickey Altieri from Scream 2, uh, played by Timothy Oliphant, uh, making some choices, capital C <laughs> choices. Um, and uh, still kind of fun to watch. Uh, I still have my affections for that that movie as a whole, but yeah, Mickey. Mickey is largely an also-ran in that film. He lands at number seven for me. Number six Besting him out, but from the same film as Nancy Loomis, played by Laurie Metcalf from Scream 2. She's a pretty great, but also a fairly predictable reveal. My wife called her uh, from from the first uh, watching of it. Uh, but Metcalf gets points because I love Laurie Metcalf. She also gets points because she is... Yes, I did call it. 
Thank you for the acknowledgement. That's a special appearance by my wife. She just like yeah. floated in. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, guys. That's a special appearance by my son as well. It's your boy, Sawyer. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to leave all that in. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, she gets points for uh, commitment, a committed performance, and a pretty decent layout of her motive. Like, her motive makes sense. Um, but uh, you can watch. Uh, the other thing that I like is that you can watch her performance back in Scream 2 and you kind of find her believable as the killer. She's really annoyed by Gail Weathers and it's kind of why she's a little predictable. But you kind of see in the performance like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's who it is. Um, so that's my number six. We're in the top five now. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. Number five, Wayne Bailey, played by Dermot Mulroney huh. in Scream 2022. Wayne Bailey is my number five, gets points for pure effectiveness. Like, yeah. the guy just gets I mean, you know. the junk done. <laughs> like, he's, he's got some training. He's, I mean, he was able to convincingly stage the death of his daughter. I still don't know how he did it. Um, <laughs> he was able to construct a real-world museum of past evidence from 25 years of killing. <laughs> like, you know, just because his son was affectionate for it. And, not for nothing, he bested two wannabes before they even could get the job done. He just took them out. <laughs> He was just like, so just for pure effectiveness alone, not to mention the fact that I still love that moment when he's revealed to be the killer. And he's like, of course me, of course me. I still love that moment. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so he's my number five. Number four, here we go. It's the Phantom Loomis, not Phantom Loomis, but it's it's Billy Loomis. Uh, Billy Loomis, the first killer played by Skeet Ulrich in the OG Scream 1996. Uh, Listen, he's... He's pretty effective delivering multiple diversions, lots of fake outs. He successfully kept himself off the suspect list, even <laughs> while being directly arrested as a suspect for the crime he committed. And he still got off the suspect list. Uh-huh. Um, his motive is a little problematic, sure, but his impact, especially the fact that he's casts a looming shadow over this uh, or a loomising shadow over this uh, <laughs> new cast uh, lands him quite near the top. So I put OG Billy Loomis number four for me. Here's the top three. You're making some very interesting faces over there. I don't know what any of them mean, but oh. here's my top three. <laughs> okay. I'm just waiting to see where we go. Number three, Amber Freeman, played by Mikey Madison in Scream 2022. Might surprise you that she makes the top three. It, it does, it, in fact, yes. But hear me out, because perhaps controversially, she is a bit all over the place personality-wise. But number one, her death is... One of the most memorable epic. of all the killers. It is an epic death of all the killers. Uh, and so, and listen, here's the, here's the facts, okay? We may hate it. We may hate her. We may wish she would just go away, but she's going to score some effectiveness points for taking out the one that nobody else could take out. She did do she that. She took out Dewey Riley. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm scoring these on effectiveness, then that's where she's got to land. That's fair. So, yeah, I mean, if effectiveness is a okay, point. Okay, your top, your top two are, yeah. are worthy, yeah. So, here's my top two. You ready? Uh-huh. This was painful. It was painful to pick between these two, but I have, I have decent justification for why I put who I put at the top. Number two, Jill Roberts, played by mm. Emma Roberts in Scream 4. She's arguably one of the most interesting and yes. inventive of the killers in the whole batch. She definitively fulfills all the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. Thank you, Denise Smith. Um, and she delivers one of the wildest, I mean, wildest, yes. post-slaughter self-mutilations in the entire franchise. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's crazy to behold. Um, and she's the only killer 
in the entire run to be directly related to one of the victims, one of the star victims. Mm, mm. Um, and so she also scores some additional points for being the biggest betrayal in the franchise, uh, biggest sort of shock betrayal. So um, for all that, and I think it's a pretty uh, outstanding performance as well. So Jill Roberts is number two, and there can be only one. There can be only number one. It is Stu Mocker, Matthew Lillard in the OG 1996 screen. Yeah, pour out a cold one for 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 Matthew Lillard. You know, Stu whatever. Michael. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, let me just set the justification. Yep. So, look, he sets the template literally for everything that was going to follow. This is why he gets number one. His presence as the second killer is your first surprise. He set that template. Uh, not only that, that starts the ball rolling. But his still impressive commitment as an unbridled psychopath. I mean, every future, so many of the future killers try to catch that Matthew Lillard energy, and they can't catch it. They can't do, they nope. can't rise to the Stu Mocker level. Uh, but they keep chasing it. They keep going after it, and they keep falling just just short of it. Uh, he's got this blended integration of like zany humor and mayhem. They just solidify him at the top. And in case there's any dispute of like, Stu Mocker shouldn't be first, I submit this to, to the listeners here. He is the only killer that we so badly want to see more of that fan rumors have started to submit around the myth that he's not dead. <laughs> That's how that's how awesome he is. Is we want to see more of him. He's the only killer. It's like he ain't dead. Something's he's gonna come back somehow. Like when when you're a killer in Scream and people want to see more of you, come on. Yeah. His his mom and dad are gonna be so mad at him, but he's the goat. He's, <laughs> he's the top. He is the number one killer in the Scream franchise. That is my that is my well list. and and yes and I, I I definitely think those two are the worthy top two and the the you know decisive top two. Um. Uh. You, you threw me with Amber being as high as she was to the point that I, I I put a question mark next to her name once you got past like five. And I was like, oh, what are we? Did he, did he forget? Surely he Amber? didn't forget her because um, <laughs> right. I was count. I was counting and, and you, you were there. But, um, you know, I think the strength of. Mm, here's my turn for a, maybe a bold statement, but. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. I think I think Matthew Lillard is one of the strongest performers across the franchise. I mean, in mm-hmm. terms of just singular, memorable, uh, what what is hard about this franchise is once killer reveal happens, the performer is tempted, a la Oliphant, to do mm-hmm. just start chewing uh, yes. w- in a way that may be. Um, not just contrary, but really at odds and sort of faults with what had come before. Uh, yeah. the, the brilliance of Matthew Lillard in that first one is he's pretty consistent just from a performance mm-hmm. standpoint. He just takes Absolutely. his eight up to an 11 at the end, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and so you just kind of believe he just all takes of it. the mask off literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And he, now I didn't look back at the original. I know he still placed top at the end at, at last time you did. This. He was top. Yeah, he was. Was top. was Jill right there? I don't know how high. I can't remember because I didn't yeah. look back at the article. I can't remember how high Jill was. I do not think she was second. I do not <laughs> think she was number two. <laughs> Man, but, but um, yeah, I don't think that she was second. I think she was always pretty high because I, she's very interesting. But I don't think I placed her second. And I mean, peek behind the curtain. It took me a minute to keep her from overtaking Stu Mocker because of how interesting I think she is. But then when I got to think about why I was ranking these and what the criteria was, I'm like, it's still got to be Stu. Stu has, yeah. has yeah. to be the top. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. And it was finally realizing like people want to see more of him. 
who wants to see more of a person that's not the top of this list? <laughs> you know? So yeah. That's, okay. Do, uh, that's it. do this. So Reed, you are a, you're a list maker of list makers. Uh, and <laughs> you know, you love component parts. You love I do. I do. analysis. Um, you know, you, you've just in your persona given us the top 12, uh, top 13, characters across a almost 30 year franchise <laughs> you know as, as you've gone back through this exercise of watching all mm-hmm. these films like are there immutable things for you film to film are there you know mm-hmm. real uh, particulars that you know to you qualify as okay this is definitively a screen movie or um you know yeah so so i guess in a short uh shorter version what makes Scream Scream to you, Reed? Hmm. Love that question. Love that question. Um, so I think I think there's a couple of things. Um, for me, one of the things that makes Scream Scream is recurring characters. The fact that we've gotten to spend so much time with these is is cool. And even when they had to introduce a whole bevy of new people with Scream Five. We got those same people back, those that survived anyway, in Scream 6. So I think part of what makes Scream Scream to me is this notion of recurring characters and, you know, as a component to that, character development as well. So I think that's a big a big element to it. I think another thing I would cite is um, the whodunit of it all. Uh, these are, Vera said this in our, in our Scream 6 episode, but I just like, I like solving the mystery. You know, uh, there is no, you know, most other horror films, slasher films, people are like, Jason's back or people are like, Michael Myers has come home, you know, but in this one, there's a very distinctive whodunit of it that whether you actively engage in that while you're watching it or not is still pretty fun for me. And that makes this franchise stand out a little bit. The fact that they're all mysteries. So I love that about it. I think another thing I would, okay, I would say this, uh, it's got to have a sense of humor and a sense of suspense. Uh, that's what makes Scream Scream for me. Uh, they don't have to be fall down hilarious. We've seen where in Scream Three they try to be too funny and it kind of doesn't work. The 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 balance is off. You've yeah. put too much basil in the soup, you know. So um, it's one of those kind of mm. things. Um, but I think a, a, it has to have a sense of humor and a sense of suspense. Um, we mentioned earlier it needs it needs that prologue. It needs that. And, sure. Uh, I'll cite two more things, uh, and then I'll then I'll shut up. And I would love to hear your answer to this question. Uh, another thing I think it needs is it needs that meta self awareness. It needs to you know like hey we know what we're doing. However much they call that out, they need to reveal to us the audience that they know what they're doing and they're doing so in a clever way. Whether it's subverting something that we expect or directly shining a spotlight on something we expect. Uh, so that self awareness. And the last thing you need maybe maybe a little silly, but you need Roger Jackson's voice. Uh, yeah. Often yeah, imitated, not duplicated. You need him on the phone. You know, uh, when 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 that poor guy leaves us, uh, if they still want to make scream movies, they're going to need to do something to to really catch the energy there because these scream films need his voice. Uh, Two in words a way for you, Reed. A I. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. <laughs> I like um, that you returned that with two words of your own. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, that that is a Indeed. that yes. is a legitimate and concerning future for something like that. Is yeah, know, yeah, they can yeah, just exactly. run through that and off you go. Um, exactly. No, I, actually, yeah, I, I hadn't actually 
I didn't uh, formally write stuff down here, but if I'd made a list, I think the voice is is pretty critical and crucial. Um, sure. You know, for me, so in in my the, uh, maybe a strange aside here, but in my work, which is sales, and in sales, you have what you would call the quote unquote pitch, and you know when you're trying to teach people how to do this thing, what I will tell folks occasionally is is you need to know the rules so that you know how to break the rules. Uh, mm, and I think mm, mm-hmm, what's mm-hmm. important about a screen movie's quality is a conscientiousness about the rules, even if they might choose to bend and or break. It's like, sure. Yeah. We, we need to at least acknowledge and be aware of it, which is, which is why some of these prologues become so strong over time. You know, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the Samara weaving, um, prologue is so great because it, it looks like the form it knows the rules and then it immediately breaks the rules. Like that's what sets that one as high as it did for both of us. So I think the form matters, you know, prologue, Mm -hmm. a version of cat and mouse. Um, I'm a little, this might surprise you. I'm a little on the fence about the whodunit part, partly because Mm. I think scream three shows us to your point about the balance being off. It shows us when the focus becomes solely whodunit. We lose. Sure. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm character we we don't yeah it, ultimately it didn't even matter it's like oh well y'all y'all totally yada yada this at the end just to yes. make it work and Indeed. so for me yeah. like i could be hold a little loose more loosely the whodunit aspect if it meant richer character stuff um and because i think as i've even identified in this very conversation but definitely spoken to across scream Ween, is i think the thematic stuff in this starts to get more interesting the more you you sort of churn it um yeah. For me, as far as the meta aspects of it, um, this may be coming from a place of just uh, unnecessary scarcity, but I worry they're going to run out of runway on the in-text meta. Um, you know, sure. and and yeah. and so Fair. part of me would like the idea of a little bit more, you know, either subtext or narrative meta, if that makes any sense, where where yeah, characters aren't literally monolo- monologuing, monologuing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're running a monologue. <laughs> Here we go. I'm only logging all the way. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like the monologue has become um, intrinsic, but does it have to be? And I think that's, sure. that yeah. kind of question is valuable. Um, like you, I think a, I would almost say less, I would use less the word comedic, but more knowing a, a knowingness mm. about mm-hmm. it, a, a nimbleness about itself. Um, these are, these are pretty uh, endemic if not uh, necessary components to a screen sure. movie. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think for me, the franchise as it exists is such an interesting test case of, of a variety of versions and, and mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. when you, when you push too hard over here, you, and, and accidentally break that barrier. Oh God, now we've fallen off this path or, or you know, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sort of I can I can vibe with all of that. But listen, so so here's the thing though. Um very thoughtful. I love it. But you've clearly thought a lot about this as well. And I I'm curious I'm very curious cuz whether you meant to or not, you have teased this to me for like weeks. I am very curious what you would do. They're going to make it. They Scream are. 6 made a boatload of money uh, uh, just an absolute avalanche of money so they are going to make scream seven but what would you do how would you pitch 
Scream 7. What, yeah. What's next for Scream? I thought you'd never ask, Reed. I thought, <laughs> okay, everybody, step into the boardroom. Uh, it's time for a, a studio meeting. You know, we, I got a monologue for a minute, okay? Okay. Um, okay. You are a generous soul, Reed Lackey, who has given me some, speaking of runway, given me some runway here. So, <laughs> if I'm honest, I spent more time on this today than I should have. Uh, oh boy <laughs> probably at the at the dropping away of things that might have been more you know for a responsible person an adult in the world <laughs> more critical or crucial but oh, you give me a prompt and I, I i hate to say i don't let my imagination run wild enough anymore and you gave me that opportunity so i'm very grateful for it so effectively what i've done reed um okay. is, is 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 written a prologue to oh boy. Okay. Uh, right. sort of in script right. treatment form uh, to the just I'm the ready. prologue. I, I could not do the whole thing, even though the sketch, the loose sketch is there of the whole thing. But okay. buried okay. in this prologue is is enough indicator is, of the, is whole the thing. information. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm I'm ready. I'm and ready. I've, I, I imagine th- red right hand playing right underneath what you're about sure. to tell me. So. Um, you know, we just talked about what is or isn't uh, a requirement for oh, a stream sure. film. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I love The Last Jedi and uh, it takes the shape and and bends it. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some people weren't happy. Some people loved it. Uh, so who knows? Maybe maybe uh, like your hat here, I'm venturing off on a very thin limb on a, on a, <laughs> a Nathan Rouse semi who done it here. Uh, okay. I'm going to I'm going to stop prefacing. So the the marketing for Scream Seven mm-hmm. is going to be kind of in three quarters. The the ghost face mask, very held very close in hand, is a knife. Okay, against against black, you can kind of envision the art of the mask in a sort of vintage style. And read the text on the poster says, "The night they came home." Oh no! Oh no! All right, so here we go interior night oh <laughs> clock on microwave says 7 p.m eye of the stove eye turns on a pot jolts into frame popcorn kernels clattering in new character plot twist it's a dude and he's cooking popcorn oh, oh. in the background you hear a tv channel welcome to this year's first ever streaming stabathon broadcasting live from woodsboro my old hometown I'm your host for tonight's marathon and author of the original book, Gail Weathers. Ooh, okay. Phone rings. Character, by the way, Reed, he's a dude. He answers. <laughs> Ghostface greets him on the other end. Mm-hmm. Ghostface mm-hmm. and this character do their scream call thing. Ghostface turns up, brutally kills this character. Traditional slash of knife, right, across screen. Yeah. That would... Uh, uh, previously signal a scream title card instead just cut to black. Okay. Then interior night clock above TV says eight forty five PM TV has Gail Weathers moderating a panel of stab fans while stab one movie credits is on a screen behind them. Okay. In the room, a teen couple is making out on the couch in the background. The microwave goes off. They unlock lips. The girl says, popcorn's ready. Guy says, so am I. The phone rings, alarming both of them. 
She answers. Not ready anymore, I guess. Guy mutters under his breath as he leaves to get the popcorn. (laughs) Ghostface addresses the girl. They banter and bicker about stab movies. She hangs up. In the background, we see the boyfriend ostensibly getting popcorn, suddenly attacked and brutally killed by Ghostface. Oof. Who then advances into frame behind the couch, slicing the girl's throat as she sits on the couch watching the stabathon. Ghostface walks into hallway, stands in front of a hall mirror, removes mask. In the mirror, we see Skeet Ulrich as Billy <gasps> Loomis. What? He slashes at the mirror in traditional scream opening title card slash fashion. Oh boy. Cutting to black. No scream title yet, Reed. Okay. Okay. All right. Interior. Night. Darkened kitchen. Clock on stove reads 11 p.m. Close up on the eye of the stove. The kitchen light comes on. Stove gets turned on. Pot enters frame onto stove eye. Water already in it. Into the pot of water is placed a baby bottle. Oh. Nearby, a cell phone rings. Whoever put the baby bottle in the pot answers the phone. Hello? Camera pans out to reveal Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott. Huh. Her counter has traditional kitchen items in it. A cutting board beside it. A knife block full of knives. This is a Scream movie after all. On the other end of the line, a woman's voice is heard crying. Sydney. Sydney Prescott? This is she. Who is this? The voice on the other end. This is Tara. Tara Carpenter. Mm-hmm. We met a few years ago. She's weeping. What's the matter, Tara? What's happened? It's my sister, Sam. Sydney, what's happened? Cut back to Billy staring in the mirror. He shatters it. The shards fall to the ground. The camera pans around. In the ghost face robe is actually Sam. Phantom Phantom Loomis hovers behind her. But then he embodies. Skeet Ulrich is now actually standing behind Sam. No longer pure phantom. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know. Yes, I get it. Mental image, but not phantom. Burn it, he says. She puts the mask back on. Uh, a cut of her grabbing gasoline canisters and dumping it all out. As she does, we start to comprehend our surroundings. A photo above the TV is of the girl ghost face Sam just killed, but younger with her arm around Amber, the killer from scream four. We are in the mocker house and Sam is setting it on fire. The camera pans out of the house into the yard as the house starts catching a blaze, we see the familiar front of the mocker house, the ridge behind it. Camera pans farther. We see the town of Woodsboro, and the night is lit up with the red and blue lights of cop cars. They are responding to the calls of the house and houses that Sam has visited tonight. She has been hard at work. The drone wow. shot of the small town. We see Woodsboro High clearly, uh, Woodsboro High School. Clearly, as the overhead shot moves along, now towards the outskirts, a main road into town, a car parked alongside, a sign, Welcome to Woodsboro, is in view. Standing outside the car, on the shoulder of the road, are Tara, phone still in her hand, uh, Mindy and Chad standing by her, all worried and tense. Tara into their phone, her voice cracks. Sydney. 
cut back to Sydney in her kitchen, phone to her ear, direct call back to the show of her ear on the phone and scream one. Uh, Tara on the other end, we've got a really big problem. Sydney, where are you? Tara, Woodsboro. Sydney hangs her head, looks at the clock. I can be there in two hours. Here's nerdy for you, Reed. Stay secret. Stay safe. <laughs> Tara, please hurry. They hang up. Nev Campbell stands in her kitchen, staring at her phone in disbelief. This again, seriously. The frustration builds. Sydney grabs a knife from the block, handles it for a moment, a yell building from her. She raises the knife into the air, a scream about to cut loose from her lungs. She stabs the knife through the air towards the cutting block. The first milliseconds of a scream tearing from her lungs cut to black and the scream title card over the sound of Sydney screaming. The rest of the movie awesome. is a cat and mouse through Woodsboro. Hell is breaking loose in the town. This little hamlet that has endured so much over the last 30 years finally uh, shakes polite society's trappings off. Sam's actions have inspired wow. a killing spree through the night. Think the purge meets scream. The core three are traversing the town to try to get to Sam. Sydney shows up to join the fight through circumstance. The core three and Sydney get separated, leading to a final showdown between Sydney and Sam. Stay wow. Tuned. Wow. That's really cool. That's really you cool. Like that? It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's, that's cool, man. That. Uh, you should be. That's really cool. And so, yes, lo- love the idea. Speak. Builds upon the stuff. Uh, builds upon what we've already seen before, and you know, plays with some puzzle pieces. Brings it all back home. Has some echoes of Halloween in there. I love it. I love yeah, it. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. The night they um, came home. I love it, Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so I have a I have a pitch. Okay. It's got a couple of smaller similarities, more distant. Oh, that looks like something that's kind of the same over there, but but it, it's sure. pretty different. My, mine is pretty different. Um, can I have a moment to, to share it with you? I mean, okay. I just right. I just took several of them. I don't I don't want to take anything away from your from your joy there. Okay, so um, yeah, here's here's my pitch for Scream Seven. Okay, okay? I don't have it written out in script sure. form. Um, that was really cool. I love that. But okay, so. In the wake of more than a quarter century of killings, Ghostface has obviously become like a really ubiquitous Halloween costume. But also, Ghostface has been around enough that it's a little bit of a myth. You know, people know of these Ghostface killings from the Stab movies and everything else. So, Scream 7 opens. You know, you always worry about like who's going to be the first person to appear on screen. Something's really nerve-wracking about them. So, when it opens, the first person we see in their idyllic livelihood is Sydney Prescott. Mm-hmm. And Sydney Prescott is there. She's living her idyllic life with Mike. Maybe you can get McDreamy back for a little for a little uh scream action. Uh they got their kids. But she's accosted in the opening teaser by a ghost face killer. They have a battle. And in a shocking unprecedented to this franchise in a shocking turn of events in the opening teaser before we see the the, the word scream seven Sydney Prescott kills Ghostface oh wow kills him all right takes there him we out. go yeah completely takes him out he's broken win. yeah and then she rips off the mask to reveal a complete stranger she doesn't know him doesn't have any association with him doesn't know who they are she has just killed somebody who's just tried to attack her in her home she's taken him out. She knows there's one phone call that she has to make, so she calls her occasional friend, Gail Weathers. Then, Scream 7. Meanwhile, in New York, our core four living their lives, moving on with everything. Chad's injuries have unfortunately (laughs) confined him to a wheelchair. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's now Bubble Boy. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he and Tara are officially a couple, and Sam and Hot Neighbor are officially a couple. They're they're nice. living their lives. They're Love trying it. to move on. You know. Then suddenly they hear a news report about a ghost face killing, and their radar is all the way up. But there's a problem. The problem is that the ghost face killing is in a whole other state more than a thousand miles away from them. It is not in their proximity. And this bugs them because it's happening and it's on the news, but it is not near where they are. So is it related or not? They converse, they debate. Unable to let her curiosity go, Sam says, I have to go check this out. I have to, I have to see what's, what's going on because I can't stay settled here. I feel like it's, you know, I just, I just can't stay settled. Chad is in a wheelchair, so he's not going to go with her. <laughs> And Tara is going to stay with him because uh-huh. they're yeah, together. Sure. But Mindy joins her. Mindy and Sam okay. set out. And Mindy, you know, she always craves a suspect list. So she sets out uh, while the immobilized Chad and Tara stay in New York. Um, Sam and Mindy's pursuit of these recent ghost face killings bring them directly into collision with FBI agent Kirby, who has mm-hmm. been investigating a string of seemingly unrelated killings across the country, united by the single common factor that the killer was in a ghost face mask. But otherwise, the killings are unrelated and randomized and unconnected to Woodsboro. What in the world is going on? So while Sam, Mindy, and Kirby try to unwind the puzzle of the nationwide ghost face problem, Chad and Tara are suddenly attacked in New York by ghost face. Chad is immobilized. He is helpless. There's a hard-fought battle he tries, but he cannot get the upper hand with his physical incapacity. Tara is nearly killed. She put up a valiant effort, but she is about to be killed. She's about to be done and gone and over with. And when she's about to be killed, right at the moment when Chad is is weeping and screaming, helpless to do anything about it, Tara is about to be taken out when she is saved by... You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. She's saved by Ghostface. She is saved by someone in another ghost face costume, this time with a silver face mask that kills the ghost face that is about to kill her (laughs) and then shoulder tackles the, the, the killer that they just took out and leaves for Chad and Tara to recover. An avenging ghost-faced ghost face. A silver-faced ghost face and avenging <laughs> angel. So our various heroes, sure. you know, including the core four, Kirby, Sydney and Gail join the fray. They all seek to determine what's going on here. Is there an ultimate mastermind who has taken their love of the ghost-face phenomena too far and might be behind all of these ghost-face killings? And who is behind the silver ghost-face mask? Could it be one of them? Dun dun dun, and that is that is my pitch for Scream Seven. And my t- my my poster, mm-hmm. my poster is mm-hmm. just going to be the blade in some fanciful art, and the tagline is going to be, "Rules were made to be broken." Look at there, look at us. <laughs> that is my pitch. So, do you know Scream your 7. resolution? I I have it in my head. I don't know how I would make it. I don't know how I would fully make it work. Sure, but. Well, what, but what do you think? What to you currently? In, what is the answer? In my head, what I would construct is the silver ghost face killer is Gail, and Gail has donned the persona. She was investigating the Gail face. other. <laughs> basically, <laughs> she was investigating the other personas, and it creates this 
this tension, this complexity when she is unveiled because she's been saving them sure. and been taking out the other ghost faces, but also doing some stuff. And, and, and so it felt interesting to me in the moment is like, well, what do you do when somebody is adopting the ghost face persona, but they're trying to ostensibly on paper, stop the, the spread of this ubiquitous mythic ghost face that everybody is adopting for their own purposes and own reasons, disconnected from the, Prescott legacy and the Carpenter legacy and everything like that. So that's my, that's my scream seven rules were made to be broken. Well, a, a thing both of us share in our pitches here is that, um, we need to get Nev Campbell back in this franchise and we do, I, I kind of like, <laughs> um, by no means do I appreciate the circumstance by which she decided to not be present in, in six, but I kind of like for the purposes of the narrative, Mm-hmm. That she wasn't because in a world where and hey, you know, people who own the rights to this uh, uh, make it happen. Pay the woman what she's due. to the typewriter, um, yes. you know, like it will make for a good or should make for a strong, you know, return to the franchise when she sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah seemingly inevitably does. Um, the only thing I don't. So I, I actually and, and you alluded to this. I pondered uh stew being involved in the the machinations of my woodsboro oh, mm, terror, yeah, yeah, terrorizing yeah. but but i do feel like that pushes into roman bridger multiplied Cut, territory yeah. mm-hmm. of just like the narrative requirements you'd have to go through to make that work uh felt at odds with the sort of you know down to earth uh nature i was i was personally aiming for with mine sure sure that fine. that's that's, That's fair. I, I had a really good time with it's that. Like a whole new What's the cool. sequel on steroids. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, can't put it off any longer. We have uh, been making our way through this franchise, cataloging the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. We had 25 nominations uh, across this franchise, and we have pulled together the list. Everybody, uh, you know, our wonderful guests nominated. Nathan, you and I got a lot of nominations in there. And then we ranked these independently. You gave things a score and then I gave things a score and the collective score is what sort of sorted this out. So we did not look at each other's scores when we ranked them and then just let the math do the work. So how this has worked is uh, we've culled together a top 10 but there's some ties and there's some debates that are going to happen. So we are going to debate those placements right here in real time. <laughs> we are going to make that decision. We are going to definitively create the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. I am both nervous and excited. So first thing I want to do <laughs> is I want to I want to mention two that got so, oh so close, oh so close, but did not not even debatably. Did they get enough votes to make it into the top 10? But worth mentioning because they still got a lot of votes, still got a lot of like rankings. Um, just mentioning them very quickly. Uh, Rose McGowan, Tatum from the garage door from Scream 1996, uh, just outside the top 10. And also uh, Officer Perkins, Anthony Anderson, uh, F. Bruce Willis. It's a great uh, kill. He, I mean, it really it is. is a great kill, yes. Uh, from Scream 4, just outside the top 10. Um, so first and foremost, we're, we're just going to start Start big here. We have a four-way tie for what will be 10th place, and this will probably be our, our biggest debate, I would imagine. But there are four kills which earned an equal number in our little ranking system to possibly get 10th place. I'll list what those four kills are, and then we can debate what should be the 10th place for the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. Those four kills are 
uh, Rebecca Walters, which was Sydney's agent, Allison Brie, uh, Cotton Weary from Scream 3, Jennifer Jolie, your beloved Parker Posey, and in a wildly debated wild card, Bailey, Wayne <laughs> Bailey, Dermot Mulroney, killed by Sam. Uh-huh. Uh, when she was still in the ghost face robe, but not in the ghost face mask. Those are the four that we are here to debate. What of those fours belongs in 10th place? So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead if I can. Apologies for the interruption there. Um, no, you're fine. Now clarify for me. Mm-hmm. Only one of these will get 10th and the rest of them are omitted completely. Is that where only we're one land? of them will get only one of them will get 10th. The rest are omitted completely from the top from the ghost face kills hall of fame. They will okay. not be. I in the think I'm going to make an easy choice for us both real quick. I love Parker Posey. She does not deserve to be on the top 10 list. Ghostface kills hall of fame. So I think unless you're going to fight me on it, I'd say let's, let's I'm just not, go ahead and dismiss no. that one. Yep. We're going to um, go ahead and get rid of that one. Um, I will make perhaps another easy one. Uh, I think based on our teaser ranking, uh, I think maybe cotton weary doesn't quite deserve to be there. Um, here that's, it's a sad one. Uh, I love Lee Schreiber, you know, no one loves cotton weary as a character, but he's, he's, he's a, you know, arguably, uh, a second billing character for those mm-hmm. first three mm-hmm. films. So it at least matters that he gets got, but, but it's such an unceremonious kill in an otherwise unceremonious entry in the franchise. I'm not going to fight you on yeah, parting with so it. Not, not going to fight me on that one. Okay. So that leaves us with. Rebecca Walters, Sydney's agent, and Bailey, uh, Wayne Bailey, Dermot Mulroney, killed by Sam. That's who it leaves us with. So uh, you got a you got a strong feeling one way or another on these. I do. Of but course, I, I do. First, <laughs> of course, you do. Uh, I mean, why does I tell you what? I'll set yeah. you up better. Why does Bailey deserve to be in this top ten? Well, okay. There's the question of why does Bailey deserve more so than than Rebecca is is, True. is yep. perhaps a better yep. question. Uh for me, you know, as far as kills go, uh uh Sid's agent uh one is not a character of great import across the franchise. So so that as far as as far as sentimentality goes, not a whole lot lost there other than just affection for Alison Brie. And I think I think the scene itself is a competent setup, but is nothing in itself uh, hyper distinct from just, you know, slasher setup moment. Um, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, I am going to be like a, a dog with a bone on, on the, the Bailey kill, but oh, I do, it, it does matter to me that at least my logic is comprehensible outside of uh, five people in conversation in a moment when I was trying to submit it originally was to, and, and fascinatingly piggybacking on some of what we've just been saying here, and and for listeners, in case it was utterly unclear, and if for whatever reason you're showing up to the epilogue before listening to the rest of Scream Ween, our <laughs> mine and reads predetermined qualifier for what made it uh, uh, a ghost face kill submission candidate uh, was: Are they uh, uh, robed? Are they costumed? Are they masked? Uh, you know, effectively, are they masked? Was was what we very early on decided was the litmus test. Not knowing, for me personally, not knowing, I would hit a moment where I was like, huh, I, it's, it's knowing the rules so you know how to break them, is, is what I'm saying, <laughs> is, is, I'm, is I'm circling back around to here, is I'm keenly aware 
that submitting the kill Sam perpetrates is a rule break. But because why I think it's so valuable and why ultimately as the rule breaker, it would make some sense placed at 10 on this list uh, is I think the film's very conscious of that. Like it is in, in a world cause I was watching uh, believe it or not, Reed, I was watching some of the final kills today just to get oh, you know, ready for this yeah. conversation and like paying attention to it. Cause what's interesting about the screen movies is most of them are, let me mask myself in anonymity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once out of mask, I am me and fully me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Jill takes off the mask and robe, she is fully Jill uh, embodying this motive and this intention. Uh, sure. Sydney briefly dons the costume at the end of one, but that's, that's subterfuge, uh, not intention right, or right, what have right. you. Amber is, was the next closest I could comp. I could come to. She wears the robe quite a bit of their final showdown, mm-hmm. but I, I uh, paid close attention to this today when she removes the robe it is as though costume designer said, Hey, make sure you take that off when you get up. Like that's how it feels. <laughs> sure, and yes. so it, it almost becomes this is, is Bruce Wayne wearing is Bruce Wayne, the mask or is Batman, the mask when we get to Sam yeah, and right, right, right. And so hmm. for me, that character moment uh, and why it propelled me into my imaginings for scream seven was there's this line that gets blurred uh, very directly between Sam Carpenter and Ghostface in that moment, which was what made her a strong contender, at least. So for me, between these two, that's my case for why uh, 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 Agent feels like, yes, a kill. Yes, a decently designed kill, but not a Mm -hmm. meaningful kill in the overall sense of the the project. What I would what I would say, let me first of all, make a pitch for the agent. Uh, and then I will address some of what you just said yeah. with, um, with, with, with Bailey there. So one thing, uh, the parking garage, I mean, parking garages are to your point, kind of normative for a setup, you know, sure. for a slash sure. kill setup, but not only is it a pretty harrowing little moment itself, it has the button on it that couldn't be forgotten of the, the van. dive off yeah. the building, landing smack on the car uh, amid the crowd. That's pretty That's pretty memorable of a moment in terms of, of that direct thing. So even though the character itself uh, isn't terribly consequential to anything beyond her setup in screen four and then her getting taken out in screen four, uh, I do love that the killer tells her uh, before she's taken out, you know, uh, I want to leave her a message. Uh, what's the message? And he says, you are. Sure. <laughs> um, I think that's unnerving and scary. I think that's a very scary line. Uh, I think Scream 4's script is outstanding, though. So, I mean, sure. like, I'm, I love a lot of the lines in Scream 4, but I love that little, you know, you are. It, 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 doesn't, reach the, it doesn't reach the heights, but is in the ballpark and on the shelf of I want to know who I'm looking at. Uh, I feel like it just really throws the gauntlet down of, like, you're the message. Uh, and so, love that about it. Now, that's why I would make the case that, that the agent is not really dismissible. But here's why I'm struggling with the with the Bailey inclusion is fundamentally, though they the series has undeniably toyed with Sam acting on her notions of the inner serial killer. Sure. The franchise never 
except for the button after she kills Bailey, where she's looking at the mask, indicates that she is going to become Ghostface. Like, that moment, she is taking out somebody. In fact, when the kill happens, it is personal. It is not Ghostface's, you sure. know, malevolent yeah. kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a personal stinger. Um, the, the other thing that is kind of funny is the, the, the costume and the robe uh, was not in uh, it, it, it was not a consideration of our little preset rules until sure. this moment, which again you you know you already called out. But uh, prior to that, it was always the mask, and and I'll be the first to shine a lantern on the fact of the mask is a hang up for me. Uh, that that if we're talking about the ghost face kills, this would be including a ghost face kill on here that is unmasked in a costume in a in a robe. I'm not going to take that away from you but definitively unmasked. Um, and the, the part of it that is volcanic, galvanizing, and memorable is the through the arms, the camera sure, work sure. is really dynamic. It's, that, that's really amazing. One thing that I went back and looked at is, um, as much as I love it, I love that shot. I get, this, I get a similar energy from when she completely outside of robe and mask takes out Richie. Like it's the same kind of like sure. bah, 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 yeah, bah, yeah. Bah, plus plus the same energy rises of like, you know, uh, don't don't mess with the daughter of a serial killer, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that's another reason why I'm like, okay, to highlight that one, here's my here's my hang up, and then I'm gonna offer an olive branch. Um uh, my 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 hang up at the moment is uh like, you know, obviously all the breaking of the rules. It doesn't rise uniquely above the energy for when she kills Richie. That you know, so it's kind of on the same shelf as that for me. Um, the the kill itself is personal and not malevolent and intimidating. It's just she just takes him out. Oh, you did f with my family, and then he's gone. Um, so my olive branch. That that's why I have a hang up with making it uh, uh, number ten. My olive branch, which I think was a suggestion you made. That doesn't mean you have to accept it for this scenario, but. Uh, my olive branch is uh, we we suggested with wild cards that we would put a definitive asterisk as scream Hall of Fame kills, which I would have zero problem putting Wayne Bailey's death for scream Hall of Fame kills uh, as opposed to definitively Ghostface Hall of Fame kills. I'm happy with a tied for tenth number eleven asterisk asterisk scream Hall of Fame kills. Uh, not quite convinced yet of making it the ghost face kills number 10 for myself. Well, here's where I'll take your olive branch and hold it before us and snap it in two. I'm, I'm kidding. Slightly. <laughs> but, and, uh, and poke you in the face with and, it. Right. You my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the sake of the fact that we've got nine more candidates to get to and uh, <laughs> definitely won't have this level of debate on it. Uh, we will That's let true. the uh, listeners decide. I'm kidding. Um, uh, we are going. I know it's bra- I know it's hurting your heart to remotely let it go, but uh, to, well, in the in the end, it's hurting my heart because I do think it's a. I I um uh uh Allison Brie is wonderful. Let's she's number ten. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah done. So um okay so that's number ten. That's number ten. So definitively number ten is going to be Rebecca Walters, Sydney's agent, uh, with an asterisk to Dermot Mulroney killed by Sam for the Scream Kills Hall of Fame. But um, what we are now going to debate is there's a three-way tie for 7th, 8th, and ninth. This is going to be easier because it's just a matter of what ranks where. They're all on the list. They're all going to make it. Uh, it's just a matter of what's ninth, what's 8th, and what's 7th. And those three kills are 
in no particular order because they're all tied at the moment. Wes through the neck, just waiting for some sushi and just gets gored right through the neck after a whole bunch of fake outs uh, while he's waiting for his mom. Annika in Screams, that was in Scream 5, uh, Scream 2022. Annika in Scream 6, the ladder and the dumpster. The She's shaking and rattling on the ladder after being stabbed, falls, bangs her face against the dumpster, dies, totally gets taken out. And then Laura Crane, Samara Weaving, from the opening of Scream 6, taken out by the uh, one-kill wonder of Jason Carvey. Uh, don't miss his last name there. So, um, yeah. So, Wes, Annika, and Laura. I'm going to vote uh, that, and this is 789. I'm going to vote Seven is Laura, eight is Wes, nine is Annika. Uh, my logic here is I think I think the ladder in the dumpster sequence is a great set piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Wes's death is a very scream death. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so it, it automatically outranks for me Annika, even though it's a great set piece. You Heard. know, yeah. Um, it'd be kind of like. If let's say uh, Bodega Ghostface shotgunned a character and that had made the list, mm-hmm. why I would consider it possibly lower is it's a non-traditional version of a Ghostface kill, and so oh, that gotcha. for me right. in this sort right. of sequence is why perhaps the latter sequence is, is lowest on the list. And then you know we've poured love out on uh, the the teaser for this film over and over for its inventiveness, uh, for its brutality uh yeah absolutely surprise and invention and so that's why for samara weaving's scream which says a lot i mean for the most recent film in the franchise to have that strong of a yeah of a a consideration here two two entries in the top 10 um okay so here's where we automatically agree i am completely fine putting annika at nine i agree with your logic i like it Uh, i'm completely fine putting annika with uh, with nine i would like to gently propose putting Wes above Laura Crane because of two reasons. Number one, uh, I love the fake outs that build up to Wes's death. Uh, mm-hmm. Laura Crane's opening is, is fantastic, but it's a bit on brand mm-hmm. as, as far as an opening, you know, a uh, girl on phone, sure. uh, taunted, you know, like it, it's a bit traditional. I, no surprise to anybody. Uh, I, I like different. I'm going to give bonus points for different. Wes's kill is a little different. They fake us out like four or five times where there's a door obscuring our view. And when he closes it, nothing's there. Uh, and then finally landing a very effective jump scare when he finally gets got and the brutality and everything. So we're agreed on Annika being number nine. I would like, you know, a, a, a second's more thought of does West deserve to be seven over Laura Crane? I would, I would pitch that maybe he does. And uh, I love, I, you know, your, yeah, I love Laura Crane. Your, um, I thought I was pitching to you because you, you, you know, you, I mean, we can, <laughs> we can acknowledge the crush on Sam Weaving here, but, but yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think, um, you know, Wes is an excellent scream kill and worthy yes, of, yeah. Uh, I mean, the when it's happening the first time you see it, you're like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> a worthy uh, entry in a list like this. So I'm OK with that. Yep. Yep. Indeed. OK, so that means that we have 
solidified up to number seven. Good news, Nathan, take a break. Uh, take a breath because <laughs> a break. num- number six and number five, we do not need to debate. The math definitively landed them there. So I'll just announce what they are unless you want. I'm going to let I'm going to announce six and I'll let you announce five. Um, so number six, uh, as, as J.R. Foresteros had said, uh, the brutality of the kill does not match the emotionality of the kill. I agree, but it is still hits like a gun punch. Uh, Randy Meeks in the van down by the river. Um, he is in Scream 2, and he is our sixth place ghost face kill. Randy I'm going to be real honest. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for the decisiveness of its placement. I'm, I'm a little disappointed it got as high as it did, not because I don't love some Randy, mm. but I think the mm-hmm. further I've gotten from this, the less of a fan I am of the way it plays out, even just in text. Like sure. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really kind of a shame uh, for a movie built on well orchestrated, you know, set piece kills of characters that he gets such a short shrift as far as, sure. yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Especially, especially, you know, now he's no Dewey, but um, in comparison to someone like that. Um, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, why don't you tell us what our number five is versus this? Uh, Olivia Morris in Scream 4, The Neighbor. Um, like, this is... Randy's as high on the list as he is because he's Randy, not because it's a good kill. Olivia's high on the list as is as high on the list as she is, not because we love Olivia Morris, but because this is an excellent set piece for a slasher movie that we've got some investment in. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I even referenced it in our redux episode just a few weeks ago of how the, 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 you know, it's kind of like you're playing telephone literally. I mean, they're all on phones, but like the, the old game of telephone, you know, there's two phone conversations happening, uh, and, and each phone conversation is informing the on-screen action, uh, that results in this horrific, um, mm-hmm. you know, sort of red herring moment, uh, with the closet fake out and just one of the most it's wonderful. brutal, brutal deaths in the series, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really so gruesome. Very a worth, worthy, worthy place there, uh, for Olivia that high on the list. Indeed. So the last four are going to be uh, a debate, um, tied. For third and fourth place are two deaths, both significant. One from Scream 5, Scream 2022, and the other from Scream 2. Uh, The Scream 5 one is Sheriff Judy. She gets a phone call while she's trying to go pick up some sushi, and it's threatening her son. And when she is hurrying back, thinking that she is going to rescue Wes, she gets ambushed right outside her door and gets just totally taken out broad daylight uh completely a shock and yeah and a and a, a carryover surviving character getting taken out uh the tie so one of these will be third and one of these will be fourth is Maureen Evans uh it is Jada Pinkett Smith in the theater in the opening of Scream 2, surrounded by ghost faces, but one of them really wants to take her out. So uh, you got a pitch for what should be third and what should be fourth? Um, I think I can intuit. I, but Do what? I think I can intuit. <laughs> uh, my pitch is less um, who should be four and who should be five, and, and, or who should be three and who should be four. four and more. 
Uh, I'm going to call Let Me Win this one. <laughs> um, I love Sheriff Judy. Uh, I think this is a fantastic kill. Um, uh, or, you know, uh, pour a very cold one out for on her behalf. Uh, sure. But in terms of, and it's a, it's a painful uh, character loss. But in terms of yes. just yeah, thematic yeah, yeah, yeah. resonance for me, Maureen is 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 a high mark on this list. Uh, and yeah, so I'm yeah. going to just ask as my friend that you let me have Maureen at three. So I, I don't have any disagreements. Honestly, like um, while that kill doesn't resonate with me as much as you, I had no problem kind of mentally going into this being like, it's fine if Maureen is three. So yeah, I mean, yeah, definitively that's, that's okay. Um, I think the Sheriff Judy one, the setup is better than the kill. Uh, the setup is really incredible, but the setup on Maureen's death is pretty incredible as well. So, uh, so yeah, I'm completely fine yielding, letting you win that. So that means we've placed a number fourth Sheriff Judy, number three, Maureen Evans. Now one of these is going to be first and one of these is going to be second. All right. So, tied currently for first and second place. You want to do the honors? You want to want to pitch them? Uh, right now, tied for first and second in a nearly three decades long uh, horror franchise uh, spanning many deaths, many kills, uh, and many years are, you know, the scruffy looking nerf herder Dewey <laughs> Riley. Just, just bless his heart. Can't get right. Uh, and then <laughs> Drew Barrymore, Casey Becker, and I'm just going to be very circumspect here, Reed, and um, I'm going to vote Dewey for one. I'm going to do gonna it. vote Dewey for one. Yep. Okay. I don't know All if right. you're going to challenge that or not, but that's that's what my that's where my heart lies. Okay, I'm torn on this one. I'm very torn on this one, and the biggest reason I'm torn on it is similar to what you had said about Randy. Is it's brutal. It's gut wrenching, um, and it's a shocker. It's a it's a big shocker. But why I'm why I'm hesitant, why I'm reluctant, is because it is hard for me to let go of. I mean, on 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 one line, you got not today, yes today. Uh, it's not all about what they say, but I mean that other kill is. Do you like scary movies? I want to know who I'm looking at. The, it's it's our first introduction. It's it sets the sets the whole stage for everything that that we've been set up to expect from these kills. Everything that we've set up to look for, to wait for, to fear, all of that. There's not even a phone in in the other death in uh, Dewey's death. There's there not even is. a phone present. There's not a phone call, but the right. phone rings when he dies. I mean, yeah, when yeah. he dies. Yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah, Gail calls him, which just adds to the heartbreak. The sentiment. So where I'm torn is in the ideological. What is this list? Because if it's a if if we're making a list based on what is the the most brutal emotionality to this, Dewey Riley is the hands down number one. But we called this list the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame, and it, I'm having a struggle putting Dewey's death because he's got you know four films in. That's why we love that kill. If that kill was taken in isolation, poor other cop from Woodsboro, it wouldn't even be in discussion. It's because it's Dewey, and for me, that Casey Becker Drew Barrymore one that is on its own merits taking taken by itself. Uh, so you, you've, I don't know. you've made your case and I'm going to, I'm going to come to your side of the aisle oh, here. You can, you're going to yield. 
Okay. And uh, I, I tried, David Arquette. I tried. <laughs> he's second place, you, brother. He's he's second. He's all the way up on this list. He's yeah. second. Just he's uh, all you, the way up know. on this list. Uh, uh, yeah. That's that's just Woodsboro. That's what it does to you. You're always in second place, <laughs> Dewey. <laughs> second place to Gail oh, and her ambitions. Man. Second place to Reed and his lists. <laughs> a, a, a very a, a surprisingly emotional uh, Ghostface kills Hall of Fame this time. I don't think I don't think there was as much investment in the Halloween Kills Hall of Fame. I just don't think no. there was. Uh, there's a lot of investment in this, which I think speaks to why this franchise is so powerful and effective. So, um, so here we've landed uh, with you know with some minority report opinions, which are totally fair. Um, the acknowledgement of Dermot Mulroney, Wayne Bailey killed by Sam, uh, then uh, charting down through ten to one. Rebecca Walters played by Allison Bree, Sydney's agent. Nine, Annika, I don't remember that actress's name, with apologies, The Ladder and the Dumpster in Scream 6. Laura Crane, Samara Weaving from Scream 6, uh, landed at eighth. Number seven, Wes, uh, through the neck after a whole bunch of fakeouts. Uh, number six, Randy Meeks in the van. And number five, Olivia Morris, this brutal closet fakeout. Number four, Sheriff Judy, uh, a phone call threatening her son, and then she gets ambushed. Number three, Maureen Evans in the theater, the opening teaser of Scream 2. Uh, number two, Dewey Riley, yesterday. And then number one, Casey Becker, Drew Barrymore. That is, you know what? Chime in on your opinions, listeners. Uh, it, it, <laughs> if if you blatantly disagree with this list, I would love to hear it. Uh, but as as of this run... This is the the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. You doing okay? Yeah, I'm I'm good. <laughs> uh, so you're like, what do I do? What do I do? Um, <laughs> no, so, I, was looking, okay. I was looking for my next list and just thanking oh, God so it's not end, a competition. <laughs> it is no, it is not exactly okay. So this one, uh, listeners, if you're tired, if you're ready to get to your Halloween stuff, then good news. This is the last thing we're doing. Uh, we have come to this. We've talked. We've debated these moments. We've debated these films. Uh, these are our personal rankings, not definitive rankings. We are going to go down the list and count down. We're going to rank these films. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to yield to you and let you uh, deliver your number six. What is your number six? If we're ranking the films, taking everything into consideration, the films on their own merits, what is your number six? My number six uh, is Scream 3. I mean, you know, oh, even, even for my uh, lukewarm affection for it. Again, I, my affection is... For its comedic parts, <laughs> that's about <laughs> right. It, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, anything thrilling, suspenseful, scary about it is those things purely in name and not actually in substance. Uh, yeah, I mean, shocking no one. Scream Three is my number six as well. Bottom of the barrel. I said on our uh, on our episode about Scream Twenty Twenty Two, the chasm between Scream Three and the rest of these films is very wide. Uh, so yes, uh, definitive number six for me is Scream Three. Uh, should I give my number five? Do it. I feel like I've hurt your heart a lot in this <laughs> run. No, I'm, and, I'm I'm consulting my list right now and making uh, some adjustments on the fly. <laughs> so, but my uh, and I'm potentially gonna hurt it again, though not intentional. Uh, my number five is Scream from 2022. I really like this wow. film. That, I feel I feel like it's a it's an exceptionally performed uh, and very well put together film. The reason it lands so low on the list is because three viewings in for me, like I expressed on the episode about it, 
three viewings in for me, uh, I watch at least a good third of it thinking about other movies, thinking, you know, the callbacks to Scream 1, uh, the allusions to the rest of the franchise, and it doesn't quite captivate my imagination in a way to fully invest me the way so many of the other films do. So for me, it is Scream 2022 is what lands on my personal number five. Um, did you hear that? That was the sound of a branch snapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's on now. No, let's go uh, back to Ghostface Kills. I want to make a case for doing. No, it. I am not going back to those. Uh, scream uh, <laughs> next. Uh, fifth on the list for me is Scream Two. Um, I, I okay. You know, honestly, if Scream Three were scarier, I might bump it above Scream Two. I don't. Um, I, my affection, uh, or let me rephrase that. What I love about Scream Two is the opening. What I like about it is I like Jerry O'Connell in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Schreiber's great. Yes, that's uh, that's solid. But in terms of the 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 total package, just doesn't work for me. Uh, yeah, on, no. on on almost any level. Um, so it it and its parts don't quite piece together well enough. Heard, heard. So what's your number four? Um, the rest of the list. Uh, three to one are going to be pretty, uh, this pains me. My number four right <laughs> now, like I literally just made some adjustments in the last few minutes, mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. few seconds right now. Scream six. Um, okay. yeah. mm-hmm. I actually don't have anything. I just actively don't like about it. Uh, and a yep. lot, yep. I kind of love about it. And even right now I'm regretting it being at number four as I'm saying it out loud, but <laughs> no, it's I'm, hard, I'm right? trying to be honest about some of the other, uh, strengths and weaknesses of the other ones. Um, I think the, the museum thing is a big buy that I can choose to buy, mm-hmm. but not necessarily because I think it earns it because I'm, but because I'm choosing to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 leave that there. So Scream 6 right now okay. is my number 4. Scream 6 is your number 4. Okay. My number 4 is Scream 2. In days past it might have been higher in the list, might have ranked higher in the list, but this rewatch did sort of reveal the seams a bit for me. Um here's what I'll say about I can't believe the, you put Scream 2 above Scream. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, but here's where Scream 2022 and Scream 2. They're sitting right next to each other. They're buddies on the bus. They're next to, they're, they're, they're moving buddies. Um, here's the thing. If we're talking respect, admiration, and objective consideration, I think I respect Scream 2022 more than I enjoy watching Scream 2022. And I enjoy watching Scream 2 more than I respect it. It holds a tremendous amount of nostalgia for me. It holds a tremendous amount of affection for me. Um, I still just really get into Scream 2. Uh, I still, you know, I, it, it is for me higher, and you've known for many, many years uh, that I've loved that film probably more than most popular opinion would uh, indicate. Uh, so yeah, for me, if I'm really just getting into it, I, I, could, I would make and wouldn't argue with like a whole bunch of people coming and saying like, look, point to objective measurements for where Scream 2022 is not a better film than Scream 2. And I would say, you're you're probably right on all of them. Uh, but I have trouble engaging with Scream 2022 for reasons I've already cited ad nauseum. I don't have that trouble with Scream 2. I just dive right in, enjoy it, have fun, enjoy its zaniness, all of that. So that's why Scream 2 lands at number four for me. 
no, I can, totally, I can totally respect like, and, and I, cause I was being a little jerky there about my disbelief because you know, <laughs> like, I, I think uh, we are old enough at this point <laughs> that you cannot ignore the alchemical response of uh, nostalgia meeting the moment, you know, like, sure. It, it's yes. Just, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, uh, uh, when you saw it, the experience of seeing it, the context in which you saw it, those you were or weren't with when you, you know, all that stuff does matter. And so I can, yeah, I can totally yeah. buy in on that. What's your three. So my number three, and I've tweaked these several times. Uh, like you said, my number three at the moment is scream six. I love scream six. I think there's so much to it, uh, that I super enjoy that I super get into. I love, love, love the character work. I love, love, love the suspense set pieces. I love the tone. I love the overall look and feel of it, the vibe of it. It's the longest screen film, so I spend the most time with it. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, really great. Um, these top three are by degrees, but for right now, all things considered, believability, logic, objective considerations, and affection considerations, Scream 6 is my third, third place. What's your third place? Probably surprising you, it's 96. Okay, it doesn't surprise me based on the conversations. Well, probably surprising me of two months ago. It's, it's Scream ninety six. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I, you know, it's it's place culturally cannot be ignored or played down. Um, and and a lot of this list is based on my experience of them now. What edges it as high as it does? Uh, again, with only six entries here is the nostalgia factor uh, coupled with, well, I'll frame it this way. What holds it back for me right now? Uh, what bumps it up is nostalgia. What pulls it down some is for me right now, Scream 96 has a, a fantastic beginning and a fantastic mm-hmm. ending. And mm-hmm. there's this kind of saggy, soft, sort of not great middle. That's yeah. not like yeah. objectively bad. It's just, it isn't propulsive. It isn't, it's, mm-hmm. ba- it's barely interesting. It just kind of is strung together between these two fantastic poles. Uh, sure. And so yeah. kind of the, the total piece is less fun overall to me. Sure. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, as we've outlined many times, um, the, the, the beginning and the end are, are near epic uh, in terms yeah. of their, yeah. their quality and placement. So, yeah. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. They're great. Um, what is your number two? Four. Um, all right. I think the more I think about it, I don't love the Sydney plot of four. Okay. Um, and so if I'm, if I'm, if, if it's got a ding against it, really, it might be a little bit that, um, but I love the new characters and I, I, I really think that last half hour is, some of the strongest, not set pieces, but like just this building quality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, crescendoing in the end. Um, and honestly, y'all sort of turned me around in our redux because I, I think, I think this will make sense. I think the runtime drags a little bit by the very end that, that last hospital mm. sequence feels a little too much, except for the fact that it is necessary to get to the thematic punch at the end. Sure. Yes. You know, yeah. So understood. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it runs a little long there, right towards the end. But if we're talking just pure, like this is watchable, this is in places exceptional. The character work is there. The scares are solid. Um, mm-hmm. But 
Yeah. So for me, if I have holdouts on Scream 4, it's I don't love the Stabathon sequence. It's a little forgettable to me. And then oh, some I of the Sydney's, you. the Sydney character stuff, just that the she is in the place she's in works for me, but just kind of in the movie itself is a little bit of a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I get it. Uh, my number two is Scream 4. All right. Um, we can be friends again. <laughs> <laughs> couple of objective notes uh, kind of yes ending everything you said I think if I'm putting on a very granular hat I think I would go to the mat lace up the gloves that Scream 4 has the best pound for pound script of this entire franchise in terms of a balance between knowing what it is and knowing what it should and could be exploring some themes beyond just movies and what they do to us but also exploring very interesting aspects of celebrity and jealousy and, I mean, just incredibly rich character work. Um, I I think the Scream 4 script, as I said, is just just outstanding. I love the performances. Um, I don't totally disagree with you about the Sydney plotline, but I like how she's deployed here. She's a very mature, very comfortable in her skin, very comfortable where where she is and what she's doing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love it. It, it is rich and I was very, very surprised if there is a unrelated to the film sentiment that rises it even further is, I think it is also an exceptional button to the career of Wes Craven, which is just a, a meta yeah. knowledge thing that, that really is just a garnish at this point for what I think is an outstanding slasher, a really excellent film, a very enjoyable watch. Um, so yeah, Scream 4 is, is number two for me. And uh, so that leaves no surprise for where my number one is. Um, and I'll be the first to acknowledge that for me, number one is rooted in what I said on our Redux. I can still remember the, I can still remember being there. I can still remember the feeling it gave me. It gave us this whole franchise Um, I still kind of feel that way when I watch it, even though I don't disagree with so many of the critiques and so many of the, the problems with it and everything, but it's, it, it was really tough for me not to give on pure objective measurements, not to give four the the top slot because of how strong I feel four is, but I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, it still doesn't generate four is four because we have one. And for me, sure. that's, you yeah. know, that, 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 that carries a tremendous amount of weight for me, whether or not it should is, is worth consideration, but it still does for me. And so for me, the OG, the number one, uh, warts and all is my number one still for the franchise. One of my favorite scary movies, period of, of any franchise or any genre is still that first one for me. So, uh, all right, no surprise, but, What's your number one? Stab. <laughs> that's, that's I yeah, I, the little, I mean, the it's, little stab movie. Yeah, it's twenty twenty two, and and um, you know, I, I I don't even disagree with some of your notes about it in the way that Scream ninety six didn't speak to me as a horror fan at the time, and spoke to me more as just a pop culture fan. Mm. The <laughs> things you struggle with about twenty two don't scream out at me as much. You like that? Sure. Um, (laughs) I love it. And even though someone could potentially take me to task of like, well, Nathan, you said force awakens is just copy paste of new hope. And how is this different than that? Um, 
I didn't say I didn't like Force Awakens. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think that 22 is, uh, you know, a, a fair criticism is it's a reskinned 96. I will still own and say I still think it's got a lot going for it. I think mm-hmm. to my critique currently of 96 with that flabby middle, I don't find that with 22. I find 22 very compelling compulsive uh Mm -hmm. uh propulsive um uh, was the word i was looking for there and and just fun uh it and 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 i'll say this 96 and 22 it makes sense they're each called scream uh because in a way that 96 did for me also uh 22 was my first scream film in a theater since three and so, sure, and I, yeah. I kind of remember that feeling of that energy, that excitement now as an adult being re-gifted this thing, right? Like, sure, that's kind of cool, um, especially for as strong as I think it ended up being. Um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, except for three and at least, you know, part of two, none of them are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and let me, let me, ta- as, as we are drawing to a close, let me take just, you know, 30 seconds here and speak some praise for a film that I've otherwise, you know, kind of, kind of downplayed a little bit. I, I forget who made this statement. Maybe it was just kind of collectively emerged out of the conversation, but the, you know, my hang up with 22 being that it is templated after one, uh, I think someone made a comment in our episode about it that it's like it does better so many things that one did. Like it had the luxury of time and attention yes. and thoughtfulness and being able to approach the same material and and just kind of take a better shot in that same way where it's like, okay, I see what that artist did. Now I'm going to do it and I'm going to take it to the next level and I'm going to copy what they're doing, but I'm going to take it to the next level and 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 do uh, a better shot at that. I wouldn't disagree with that at all about Scream 2022. Like I think I think there's a very real objective case to be made that Scream 2022 does better at the things it's attempting than Scream 1996 does. It just had the luxury of building upon legacy sure. and yeah. being able to to copy homework notes and say, "Yeah, that one we're going to we're going to weed that out. We're going to get rid of that and we're going to do this." Um and uh, and again, the fact that I can't plug in on it as much is not uh, the, I said this on the episode. It's not a film problem. It's a viewer problem. I don't. I'm not surprised, and I think it's telling for you and I as film watchers and as appreciators of this franchise that what's up at the top is the OG template. It's that. It's sure. that original yeah. sort of set piece. Uh, that original sort of rhythm. It's and 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 I don't find really any conflict in the fact of like, yeah, you respond very strongly to you know shiny new and i'm very very old tempered about that other stuff and and kind of keep going back to that You're kind of the traditionalist i'm a bit more progressive and you know yeah. this is gonna suddenly take a turn into the profound get us out of here read quickly <laughs> <laughs> this so is not that episode <laughs> Uh, listen, we've debated a lot. We have, uh, you know, pushed and pulled a lot, and we've given you a very, very long episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this on Halloween, I really, really hope that you have a fun and wonderful and safe Halloween. We hope you've enjoyed this run through the Scream franchise with us. Thank you especially to all of our guests. We had a complete collection of guests uh, bouncing in and out of this franchise. Uh, won't even start naming them all. They know who they are. We just so much adored and loved having you on the show. Uh, and listeners, thank you for hanging with us. Nathan, thank you for walking through this franchise with me. We're going to do this is You're welcome, incredible. Wacky. 
I love doing this. Love it so much. So um, I'll be honest, listeners, we do not know as of right now what next week will be. So stay tuned to social media to find that out, to kind of define that. Um, But uh, yeah, do keep note, Eminent on the Horizon, maybe next week, but Eminent on the Horizon is going to be needful things. Um, So just keep an eye on that. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. And we hope you have a very safe and happy Halloween. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Nathan. See ya, foggers. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.